Welcome to this week's Money and Investing show, guys. This week, we are looking at the thorny topic of feeling guilty about spending your money. We're going to share with you a couple of case studies of this, but more importantly, an ABC process that you can follow to make sure that you're not wrecked with guilt, but feel comfortable, in fact, celebrate your spending. Enjoy the show. See you on the other side. Hey, guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my co-host and offsider, Mitch Olorenshaw. And your virtual co-host I am again today, AB. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Beautiful background, a little bit different to our previous broadcast. No pictures of famous people, rather almost a painting-like scenery, buddy. Nice. Yeah, that's a backyard, mate. That's uh, down here at Byron, and we're very blessed. Beautiful part of the world. Go up the hill there, we've got a rainforest, and then the other side of it, we've got the beach. So uh, very nice part of the world. Trying to make the most of lockdown, and good to see that you're in the uh, in the office there, in the office studio too. So oh, well yeah. done with diligence yeah. and hard work. Video, lights everywhere, cameras around me. So just like the good old days, my friend. Now, jumping in to today's topic, one, it's a little bit more of a personal development style chat, and that is exactly how to overcome guilt with spending. I know you and I struggle with this personally um, as a more so a, a part of emotional baggage, and a lot of people do. How do you overcome guilt with spending, AB? Let's break it down. Look, it, it, it's a fascinating area to get into, and, and, and this whole notion... Um, money is a very, very emotive subject for a lot of people for, for many, many reasons. There are values that we inherit from our parents. We've all had an experience in life where maybe you've had none, maybe you've got a lot, maybe you've got some. And, and these cut to the bone sometimes in terms of setting up that sort of muscle memory and reflex when people do start to talk about money. Uh, and, it, and it really is. I mean, some people have got more baggage than the Samsonite factory. So it's a huge, huge area to, to dive into. Um, you know, think about some of the lessons your parents give you. And money doesn't grow on trees. Who do you think you are? John D. Rockefeller. Oh, look at those. They're from the big end of town. All the different things that can come alongside uh, stories around money. And they're very, very deep-seated in their brain. And they can come to the fore. And, uh, and one of them, as you've rightly identified, is, is a, a bit of a guilt trip, if you will, uh, when it comes to spending it. And I, I hope in the context of today, you know, we articulate why, first of all, people have got hangups around money. And some of them are very good hangups to have. And ultimately, let's see if we can use that emotion that people have as a really positive uh, frame of reference. So let's see how we go with their time together today. And, and, and I'm glad we're having this conversation. I'm guilty of this exact thing. I've bought one jacket this year, despite my trading being a super profitable year. So I'm glad to be listening in here, AB, and I know you've got some great advice to share. Before we jump into the nitty-gritty of this, and we can talk about how to use this emotional baggage maybe positively later down the broadcast, first, let's address the problem. Where does emotional baggage really stem from when it comes to money in particular? What kind of emotions do we typically see? Look, guilt is a huge one. Uh, you can feel guilty uh, about spending too much or uh, guilty about not having done enough to create the money to spend. Guilt is a huge one. Guilt is an extraordinarily powerful emotion uh, to have to contend with and a very, very unpleasant one at that. So you know, at the nub of a lot of what we're gonna talk about today is that notion of guilt. Another one on the other side of the equation is just that careless, carefree, live hard, um, spend hard, die young, kind of mindset, which is almost the opposite where you're just spending stuff you don't have and frankly, you don't care. 
because you're probably not around to pick up the pieces. In fact, if that's your mindset, you'd probably qualify quite well right now to be a central banker because they seem to be spending uh, an awful lot more money than they have to as well. Um, so there's a career pathway for you. So yeah, particularly that guilt area um, is one that does drag people in, but we'll look at that carelessness around money as well in terms of it's a frivolous thing. Um, you know, money is not a bad thing. It's just an inert thing. If you're in Australia, it's made of plastic. If you're joining us from the US, it's made of cotton. If you're in the UK, it's made of paper. The bottom line is, it's just this inert tool. It's a scorecard. It's, a, it's not a measure of wealth. Times are far better measure of wealth. But it's something that we all strive to in our economy because it's a transactional device and the more of it you've got the more transactions you can do or the easier those transactions are to do so it's seen as something that's a very desirous thing to have but as i say it comes with it does come with some huge baggage so you know when it comes to spending like you i mean my wife gives me a hard time on this all the time because i'm very very bad uh, well actually i'm not I'm, I'm, I'm a juxtaposition i'm quite a complex person I, i'll i don't spend I hate, it's a game. I had this game. Let's just give you a bit of a backstory here. Um, back in the run into, say, 2007, 2008, um, business was phenomenal. Life was great. The stock market was roaring and life was, was very good. And I, I got into a particular uh, period in my bachelor lifestyle um, where I was exceptionally decadent with what I was doing. Give you an idea, I bought an Aston Martin one weekend because I wanted a new car and I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. I just went and bought one because I wanted one. Uh, and, and that's excessive. Yeah, it's a three, $400,000 car. And I just did it because I felt like it. And, and, and I was on a trip back from the States. I've been at the Playboy Mansion of all places in, uh, in uh, Beverly Hills with a good buddy of mine down in Sydney. And we're on the flight on the way back from LA, uh, feeling a bit dusty on the Sunday. And man, that was all pretty crazy. And we're both looking at each other and we've both been doing a very similar thing. He said, this is nuts. I mean, it's a, probably a 30 or 40 grand weekend flying over the party of the whole nine yards. And, and, and coming back going, this is just crazy. And this is starting to become the new norm. And we challenged each other uh, to have a year where we'd be each other's accountability coach. Now, he's, he's, he's got a very, very large business, the CEO of it, he's got plenty of cash. And we decided that we'd set a level. And if we were going to spend over 200 bucks, we'd call each other and say, hey, I'm about to go and do this. Do I do it? I know this sounds crazy, especially when you, you, know, you, you compare it to buying a car on the weekend. Um, and that's what we did. And we went a whole year of doing that, playing this game with each other not to be going crazy and spending stuff. And it actually became a very, very enjoyable game to play because it's not you versus the world, it's you versus yourself, which when it comes to money and personal development and just about anything else, whether it's health and well-being or relationships, it typically is the case. It's you versus the story you're telling yourself in your own brain. So I went through a year of reprogramming of just stopping frivolous spending and, and it was good fun. It doesn't sound like it would be, but it's actually great fun. It's almost more fun than spending it. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. And the question I'd like to ask you, AB, is <laughs> you feel guilty? Because let's take your example. You could clearly afford to spend 30 or 40 grand on the weekend, no problems. And you probably had a lot of fun doing it. When do you actually feel guilty? Because if it's what you wanted to spend your money on and you've got it there, is there any reason to feel that pain inside? Well, that, that then opens up another door. And I think it, it's, a, it's a broader question. I can afford it. But it comes down to what's your motivation for wanting to do this? Why are you making these decisions to go and have a weekend like that? And that wasn't a one-off. That was something that was happening every four to six weeks. We'd go to LA and do the whole thing again. Um, 
what was your motivation for doing it? And that's something that's a, a deeper seated question. And that when you start to get into your motivation opens up a lot of pain. And for me, in my case, and I've spent quite a bit of time working this out, it was because I felt that I had something to prove to myself or to people that knew me to show uh, that I was doing well. And all of a sudden, it doesn't become about you and what you're doing and enjoying. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed those experiences. It's going to give me some terrific war stories to particularly tell my son as he gets older. But the reality is my motivation for doing it, I, I worked out was because I was proving something to myself by showing other people how well I was doing. You know, I had a pretty poor upbringing financially, very happy upbringing, loving parents, had a brilliant family environment, um, but we didn't have any money. I grew up in a working class town where no one was really expected to do too much. And I have enjoyed, you know, some, by most people's benchmarks, I guess some pretty reasonable financial success. And so I felt I needed to show everyone, and it's not about necessarily showing off, because I think it's also showing off to myself or proving to myself that I'd actually, in my own mind, achieved this and I could do it. And it's actually a very poor motivation when you start doing things for what other people think. Uh, and um, someone I, I spent some time with a while back, some of the best advice he gave me is, you know, give away the good opinion of other people. Uh, and it's hugely powerful and liberating when you do that, because all of a sudden you start to do things for your own reasons rather than having to prove things to, to other people. And that was quite an area yeah, of, of self-discovery for me, yeah, what's now 15, 16 years ago. And it was the best growth period I can remember in my life because all of a sudden you kind of, yeah, you've ticked those boxes, you've done all that colorful stuff. And I still do some of those things. I don't go to the Playboy Mansion anymore. I don't think my wife would be very happy if I cleared off for a weekend with the boys and did that. Um, but in terms of you know, buying nice things, I do it. But my motivation for doing it, I think, is much, much different. It's not about being able to make a statement and say, hey, look, I'm not the poor kid from Swindon anymore. Um, it's about doing things for a totally different reason. And, and I think that was a huge breakthrough. Gotcha. And it's certainly timely advice. And it's an interesting point, I think, to dive deeper on, AB. From, from the message of, of what, you've just, what you've just outlaid there, it, it looks like it depends a lot on your past. It's particularly early on as a child, those frames that you're maybe taught values from your parents or what you've picked up along the way. In your opinion, how do those past frames today affect us and do they affect us? Well, they do. And that's where I think the guilt over spending can, can sometimes come in from. If you sort of think, let's say you went out and bought yeah, a big ticket item. I don't know what a big ticket item is to, 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 to our listeners. And it can vary massively, I guess, from person to person. But let's say you've gone and spent X on it. Let, let's say a television set, uh, you know, a new flat panel TV system. And you think, gee, you know, that was, you know, six, seven grand. That was a, a, a lot of money to, to drop on that. And then you start to break it back and go, yeah, when you think about it, man, I used to have to work for X to earn enough money to do that. Or, you know, that's half of what my parents had saved when they passed away. Or, you know, all of the stuff from there. You start to use frames of reference, I think, from the past to the now. Uh, and a really good example of this, so I went through a really hardcore period around about 2000, 2007, 2008, somewhere around there, where I really spent a massive amount of time really looking at this. Um, and one of the things I really noticed is that if you think about $100, in your own mind, you, you sort of go, back, oh, 100 bucks is a fair chunk of money. It's not really, but it, you, you kind of see it as being that because when you were a kid, 100 bucks was a lot of money. And your perception of what's a lot of money isn't linked to inflation. A hundred bucks is still in your mind seen as being a lot of money, even though the cost of living is, has gone up astronomically and a hundred bucks isn't that much now. 
you still thought, gee, a hundred bucks. What? You know what I mean? And, and, and it's because the frame of reference is from an era so far down the line, but our brains don't necessarily move that, 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 that thermometer gauge up to say, well, yeah, a big chunk of money now might be a thousand dollars to give you a comparison. So a hundred really isn't anything, but in your mind, gee, a hundred bucks for that, that's a lot of money. Maybe I'm just weird when I think like this. I don't know. Maybe I've got some really, really strange beliefs around money. But, you know, so you can, you, your frame of reference typically is, is, is from your past. You think, well, gee, I used to earn, I used to earn a pound an hour. What's that? You know, a dollar eighty an hour working in a bakery. And then you're going to go and spend that on this. That, 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 you, do you know how many hours you'd have to work for that? And then you go, yeah, but you don't earn a pound an hour anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it might be that per second. Uh, and it's changed that much. But your frame of reference is, is, is still tied up in those benchmarks because the lessons back then the memories the emotional pull is so deep-seated this feels like a therapy session for me i hope it isn't for everyone maybe it might be a good one for our listeners too but yeah it's so deep-seated in you as to where you see the values around money and what's cheap and what's dear and what's good and what's not so massively tied in here and it's a really really hard umbilical cord to cut and get on with your life the second you can do it means you get to live um, and, and we can talk about some, some, some skills for that, but I do think at points of reference, most definitely uh, buried in their past. And as a consequence, they're quite small because you would hope over your life, your net worth and your, your, your ability to earn is increased significantly. So your points of reference need to increase significantly too, but that doesn't always happen. Gotcha. And there's plenty in that to dive into, but let's put a positive spin on this. And as you mentioned, some tools to, to kind of get over that feeling and maybe justify spending some money. Fact of the matter is, AB, there's no point in earning all of that money and having these audacious financial goals if you can't enjoy any of it, even if it's something simple like taking your partner out for dinner or, or buying yourself a nice watch, whatever it may be. <laughs> Let's go through the steps now. Now, you and I have had this conversation plenty of times because we don't spend anything. Um, and that is the, the need, want, I'm actually thinking why you're saying this, and I realize I probably do, but I just don't. So, yeah, okay, we'll get on. <laughs> So the need, the want, and the deserve test. Do I need this? Do I really want it? And do I deserve it? Let's break it down right now. What are your thoughts? I, I think that's a, an absolutely brilliant framework that you've just come up with there to, to really help make some sense of this. And I think, yeah, we talk about the world of investing, which is, of course, you know, where we live and the fact that there simply is no room. Um, there is no room for emotion in that yet. Pretty much everything we've talked of so far has been quite emotive. So let's build a trading plan, if you will, to detach that emotion. I think those three headlines you've got there. So do you need it? Do you want it? And then do you deserve it? That last one's pretty tricky. We'll get onto that in a moment. And, and I think that's exactly the sort of move I've made post you know, 2008, where I've gone on that journey and I've really looked at things and and you go, okay, do I need this? And that's a really simple binary test. And if the answer is no, then don't get it. Simple as that. And I go back to my father. He always used to say to me, son, you know, yeah, think about what you want. And if you don't need it, the chance are if you buy it, you'll get fed up with it by the time you've paid it off. You bought it on credit card or in today's world, you know, with a buy now, pay later service, you know, those four easy installments to keep you entrenched in misery and consumerism. Um, 
And here's an interesting statistic. 20% of online transactions in Australia are done using buy now, pay later. It's about 2% globally. That we're, we're so far ahead of the world in pushing that particular problem onto our next generation, which is really scary. But you know, parking that to the side, you buy something. Back in my day when I was growing up, it was uh, either higher purchase or sort of lay-by where stuff was in installments or then onto your credit card. So by the time you pay for it, you probably don't want it. And you know something, he's probably right. So really evaluating, do I need this or not? Is it going to genuinely add some value to my life or not? And I'm not talking about buying a newspaper or some chewing gum. I'm just talking about more of the consumer type stuff uh, that we can get sucked into. So number one, do I need it? Second thing, do I really want it? Now, the two questions that we're looking at there, and I'd probably almost put those in the other order, or do I actually want this thing? Yeah, I do. Everyone's got one. But that means all of a sudden you're making your decision making based on everybody else. Remember, give away the good opinion of other people, run your own race, do your thing. And look, I feel for your age group, particularly, Mitch, because, you know, in, in your generation, there's so much massive peer pressure. And look, peer pressure is no new thing. It's been around forever. But it's more marked, I think, for your generation, given social media and, and you know, the prevalence of influencers spouting their garbage that if you don't have this particular set of sneakers or this bikini that Tammy Hembro is wearing this week, you know, you're the world's biggest loser and you shouldn't be at a pool party. So there's an enormous amount of social media pressure on today's youth to, um, to, to, to get stuff and, and subscribe to that whole consumerism rather than walk to your own beat. So you know, do you want it? Yeah, of course you want it. Everyone wants nice stuff. But do you need it? That's the filter. Not really, I don't. Yes, I want it, but do I need it? No. And if, those, if there's a disconnect, if one's a yes and one's a no, don't get it. If they're both a yes, you need it and you want it, then you can move through to that next phase. It's kind of qualified. It's like a trade where you're trying to filter out the stuff you don't want and just focus on the really good stuff. So number one, you want it? Yes. Do you need it? Yeah, I probably do. So to give you an example of this, It'd be like, say you're upgrading your IT. So we're working remotely now. Uh, and so there's a requirement where the communication tools you use are a little bit different. Now, do I want a great studio so I can better serve our clients? Absolutely. Do I need to? Yes, because audio, particularly on something like a podcast, is extremely important. So when I bought a new mic the other day, now, it's not very exciting. It's a couple hundred bucks. Uh, but it was a want and a need. Okay, so there were two boxes there. Do I deserve it? Well, in this case, I think our listeners deserve it because hopefully this is more pleasant on their ears. So yes, there is. There's a three box tick. That's a transaction you move ahead with. So bringing that deserve into the equation. Do you need it? Do you want it? Now the hard one, do you really deserve it? And this is where we can beat ourselves up badly. Um, and, and look, we can, we, we can spend a nice little segment of time on this. And it's something that's really come into the fore. I've got someone I'm doing some... Um, some personal mentoring and coaching with at the moment. Lovely guy, driven, smart, going to do well. But he's very hard on himself, as we all can be. And so he's constantly beating himself up. So when you pose a question, do you deserve it? He'd be excessively hard on himself and say, probably not, because he tends to beat himself up. He shouldn't do that. But I think we can all be very guilty of doing that where we go, oh, I don't really deserve that. Well, why not? That's a good question to us. Why don't you deserve it? You know? And so... Let's use the power of that emotion in a really smart way. One of the things, if you're going to make a decision to buy something, is to try and use your desire for wanting that thing into leverage on yourself to take the right kind of action to actually get it. So that, yes, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I know I've got a credit card bill coming, or maybe pay cash for whatever. I've got a bill coming in five weeks, and it's going to be big because I just bought this big ticket item. We need it. We want it. And heck, we deserve it. 
How do you make that happen? Quite simple. And that is attach having that item back to good old goal setting and making it a reward for yourself. Do something that you've been putting off for a period of time that you know that you need to do, but you can't quite get the motivation to get your backside into gear to do it and use that need and want as leverage to get you to commit to doing the task that's needed, then you deserve the reward at the end of it. That way you won't feel guilty about having something because you'll look at it and I say, I am a juxtaposition. I hate spending, my wife will say, I don't spend anything and I'll go and buy some wine or a watch or a car or whatever. I've got a few vices, but they'll probably be my top three. And it's not like a small outlay. But I'm totally comfortable with that because I always attaching it to putting myself through a process where I've made that the reward so that when I've got that thing, I can look at it in the garage or on my wrist or in the wine cellar and go, I deserve that because I did this, this, and this, and this in order to get it. And that way it sort of pushes that guilt to the side. A lot of people live with financial guilt and you shouldn't. If you structure your reward system this way, do you need it? Do you want it? Do you deserve it? And when you actually attain that, you've done enough to create. It's timely advice. And if you're spending, say, three, six, even 12 months looking to achieve a goal and you finally get there, absolutely you deserve it because it's not the thing that you're about to buy. It's the person that you've become who's worthy of buying that, which is the important part. So absolutely on the same page there, A.B., as we come to the end of the broadcast, we've covered a lot in here and it hasn't been easy to listen to. I've certainly taken a few mental notes on your advice. Where do you start? Because there's a lot of things going on right here in terms of pieces of the puzzle. How do you get going on this? Because I don't want to feel guilty anymore. Look, I think one of the things you just threw in there and you're on fire today, you need one and deserve structure and, and what you've just said. The whole purpose for goal setting isn't about the goal itself. And that's the biggest mistake that people make. It's to become the person that's, and I use this term very deliberately, become the person that's worthy of having that goal. Okay. So let's say you set yourself a goal where you know, you're going to get, your, get through the education on our trading side, get your broking account open and take your first trade. And the reward that you want to set yourself, you, you, you don't necessarily need this. You might want it. And I'm just going to use something, say a bottle of champagne, a nice bottle of champagne, you and your partner to sit down on date night, which is something, money date night, which is something I'd massively advocate. A uh, nice ice cold bottle of Bollinger or Krug or something that's quite nice and a bit of a treat for you. And when you pop it, pour it, sit back and enjoy it. And you can do that and go, do you know something? The reward wasn't this. The reward was me developing the habit of taking an action step every single day, getting the education done, getting my account open, taking a first, putting money in my account, taking that first trade. Every day I've taken steps towards achieving something that means, yes, we do deserve this. And if I've taken those steps properly, we can have lots more of this, this nice champagne, because we've set in play a machine, a process, momentum, in order to get us there. And that's crucial to understand. So, you know, if you're someone that has an ability to spend and then feel guilty about it, try reframing the way that you go about buying stuff in this way where it becomes the byproduct for you, not the reward, but the byproduct of doing the unpalatable steps that perhaps you've dragged the chain on in the past to get what you want out of life. That I can almost guarantee, and send in some feedback on this by all means, I can almost guarantee will remove that guilt trip that you have when the thing that you've bought arrives or you enjoy it because you don't just get it, you've earned it. And that's a very, very different feeling. And there's nothing better when you've achieved 
achieved a goal, you've earned something that you really, really wanted and you're enjoying it with your family or your partner, even yourself. AB, great advice. Thank you so much for your time today. I feel like we've learned plenty. A lot of, I guess, lessons in there in personal development, psychology, and also budgeting and money management. So an all-rounder, great podcast. Thank you. Look, it's, it's a very, very personal journey, you know, and, and I, I could talk at length about it, which I want now as we're wrapping up, but the the bottom line is you've got to look at what your motivations are for doing something. And if you're feeling guilty at the end of it, it's because your motivation is probably wrong. Take some time to reframe that, give away the opinion of other people and turn and turn what you're doing or what you want into a stick and a carrot to give you the momentum to build that. And here's the great thing. It won't just be a one-off reward. You'll set yourself up with a machine that you can have that on an ongoing, regular and consistent basis, which then lets you build even bigger goals without feeling guilty about it. Last thing I'd just tag on this, perhaps I should have made it in uh, as part of the, uh, the, the, the conversation. And that is if you're spending money on something discretionary, only, 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 only ever spend it out of the proceeds or returns from your investment, never the principal. Very, very important. Don't use your capital up to buy stuff. Use your profits and your proceeds from what you've been doing to buy stuff. And that way the nest egg's going to grow. You can set yourself bigger goals. I know a lot of soul searching went on in my life in 2007, eight, and, and I'm glad I did that because, you know, breaking the shackles of peer pressure or what other people think and doing things for the wrong reasons is certainly a way of racking yourself with guilt. And if I look back and think about that era of my life, I feel guilty about so much of the money that I would have taught so I could afford to do it. But I almost feel guilty about that because my motivation wasn't right. Now I know what I know and what I've learned through that journey and hopefully some of that wisdom I've been able to impart with the conversation we've had today may stop you feeling the same and can set yourself up for a life that's not full of guilt but one that's full of deservedness and seeing yourself in a far better light saying you do deserve this, you've done the work, enjoy the return. Great advice. Thank you very much, AB. Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating so we can share the word and get this information out to more people. We look forward to hosting you next week.